Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I'm joined by my dear friend, Noah Kaiserman. Noah is a New York City-based actor, composer, and lyricist, and if you listen to this podcast, you might know that he was my second guest ever. Um, The episode was called Shot Out of a Cannon, and we recorded it in my backyard in Maryland in August of 2020. If you haven't listened yet, you can go do that now and come back to this episode. Just for context, um, this is a little bit of a new segment that I wanted to start where I'm recording part twos with guests that I had in the earlier days, Um, kind of as a little bit of a social experiment to see what we talked about then and how things have changed now, especially since it's been two and a half years and, you know, I don't know, a lot's happened. For a lot of people. So it's it's fun. It's fun to have these conversations. I do have to start out with a quick apology. I know that you can hear my radiator through um, a part of this episode. And listen, if you're in New York, you know what it's like. These pipes have a mind of their own. I tried my best. I think you can even hear it right now just so you know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, uh, my apologies up front for that. Okay, please give a warm welcome to my guest, Noah. Noah began his training in only Maryland, enrolling in classes at the Musical Theater Center and Levine School of Music. It was there that he developed a passion for acting. After attending the University of Michigan and graduating with a BFA degree, he landed the role of Connor Murphy in the first national tour of Dear Evan Hansen. In the summer of 2022, Noah took over the role on Broadway as part of the show's closing cast. In addition to a growing list of stage credits, Noah has also begun exploring the medium of TV and film. A dedicated writer as well, Noah has composed full-length musicals and performed solo shows at acclaimed venues like Feinstein's 54 Below. He also happens to be one of my best childhood friends, and I'm so happy to have him back, so please welcome Noah. Hello. Hello, hello. So a lot has changed, and in a full-circle way... We now live down the street from each other. We do, 76. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and since our last conversation, you've moved to New York, mm-hmm. did an off-Broadway production called Space Dogs. Yes. Had a few TV ex- appearances on shows like Lady in the Lake, White House Plumbers, Law & Order SVU, and F- FBI Most Wanted. And you had a concert of your work at 54 Below, and you played Connor in the Broadway production of Dear Evan Hansen. So I think we have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, it was a, it was a really fun um, fun year, especially fun two years, I guess. Um, I'm trying to think though. I guess so. We're you know we're in 2023 now. So last time we talked was 2020. It was a very yeah. different time. Completely um, different. We were sitting on your uh, porch, and I had a mustache. And did you really? I did. I don't remember that. Well, I I, I have a lot of uh, photo evidence of That's so the funny. mustache that will never return because really it was funny. not well liked. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big that's okay. Mustache. <laughs> Dean has a mustache, right? Well, yeah, but like I, I'm okay with it when there's a beard paired with it. Sure. But just the the lone mustache, I don't know. The it's lone. That's the name of the episode. The lone, the lone stash. stash. Yeah, that's hard to pull off. Fridays at and seven p.m. And it especially PM. drives me insane when people do the like the what the, the villainous the villain curl. Yeah. Oh my god, I think it's so <laughs> gross. Here's my other issue. I'm like, how do you eat? Like, you have to probably get everything in your facial hair when you're eating surprisingly that wasn't something that wasn't an that issue I, I, I didn't deal with maybe that, if it's just like the ron swanson yeah maybe maybe mustache. that i wouldn't i wouldn't support the ron swanson yeah. no, but nothing against ron swanson it's a big choice um well aside from your facial hair changing <laughs> yeah a lot of other things um happened. do you feel like a different version of yourself from when we last talked sure just in that like a few years have passed and you know yeah. a lot of um i've learned a lot about myself and about what I want in my life and about my friendships and all my family etc um but in terms of change um I guess I definitely feel different than I did uh, in 2020 but I think like there's been lots of ups and downs in that time and so mm-hmm. I'm always grateful for the good things when they do happen yeah um but I I've been working hard to cultivate uh, a center of gravity because you know, in this particular industry and and in this city in general for yeah. lots of people who live here, I think that is ultimately how you um how you thrive is you find a sense of consistency and the people, you know, and the people you love and yeah. the um the things you do on a regular basis and, and also just like in what's in your heart and, and what you're here to do and, and what you want and um 
to not let necessarily the, the chaos of of all the rest of it sort of uh knock you off course right yeah. right yeah and I feel like you know there's a lot I want to reflect on in terms of what you've done but also it's it's clear that there's certain things that have been weighing in your heart in terms of what you've learned so I want to empower you to feel like you can drive part of that conversation too and, sure. and tell yeah. me how how that's changed friendship yourself like all of those things but um I don't know. Do you want to start there? Or do you want to start with Dear Evan Hansen? Because I feel like that's a pretty significant sure, thing that's start happened. With Dear Evan start with that. Okay. Here's my question. I mean, did you ever think that you would do the show again after the tour shut down? Because when I when we last spoke, mm-hmm. I think you were in that hiatus. But I don't know that. Had they made the call yet? Um, had they made the call about whether we shutting were, it down? Like, um, like, did you think yeah. you were going to go back? Yeah. When we spoke uh, on that porch, I definitely anticipated that I would probably returned to the tour and then I moved to New York City and things changed a bit. I wanted to be closer to home and be sort of near my family and near the people I love for a little while longer. And it had been a chapter of my life that had that had uh, dominated uh, my early, you know, 20s. Yeah. And so I was like, well, let's see what else, you know, this this city has to offer. Let mm-hmm. me be here and and um, prioritize those people in my life a little bit. And since I've been away from them for a long time. Yeah. And the magic of that was, you know, Space Dogs was something that came into my life. Some TV things came into my life. Yeah. I, I learned a lot about television and, and um, about the creating of off-Broadway shows. It was right. I was blessed with Nick Blameyer and Van Hughes who let me come and understudy them and their off-Broadway musical that they were constructing about fantastic. dogs going to space yeah, uh, during the Cold War. It was the most incredible uh, enriching experience. We played with puppets and we we played instruments, yeah. and it was just it really expanded my creativity in all kinds of ways I didn't expect. And um, yeah, that was at MCC Theater, and yeah. So once all those additional uh, professional opportunities happened, I I sort of had seen my time with the show as as it had come to a close, and I appreciated yeah. what it had done for me. But uh, you know, life is crazy and (laughs) the opportunity came to come and do that role that I had been doing on tour on Broadway and I got that offer and freaked out what was that call like it was it was crazy I mean I I got it was actually it was an email right it was an email and it was I was doing Lady in the Lake which is this uh, Apple show and I was just doing a small part in that and it required me to travel to Baltimore really quickly and do like basically a 24 hour shoot because I just like showed up I took a bus there and I they said the shoot was going to go to like four or five in the morning wow. and so wow. and, it, and it did and I got a hotel room like nearby and I went and did the shoot and then I crashed at five in the morning and when oh I woke God. up at 10 a.m. there was an offer in my email to be on Broadway and it was thrilling yeah. it, I called everybody and <laughs> uh well yeah. because also I feel like if my memory serves me you had done that audition like a few was it months before or weeks before like I, I feel like there was a, a period of time where you didn't expect to hear from them what am I making this up I'm not sure I don't know I feel like there was something about the email where you were like not expecting it yeah I think there was well there was a period where I threw my name into the mix because I knew that the um that it the opportunity would be available yeah and I definitely didn't hear for a few weeks and okay. I think the email came and affirmed that I was still in consideration yeah, and more so actually going to be able to do about, it. So yeah. maybe that's what it was. I have to say it was one of the most exciting experiences like seeing you on Broadway. Like I literally, I went with my parents and my brother and Dean and it was like, I don't know. It was so cool. And when your baby pictures came on screen, I was like, Oh my God. I've seen these pictures on your mom's Facebook page. My mom picked those out. <laughs> no, it was just really cool. And I, I, I just, I felt such like a sense of pride that, I don't know, maybe I'm not necessarily entitled to, but I was just like, this is, this is really neat. Like, this is really special. It was especially, so, you know, we got, after I had gotten the offer, we had, we got noticed that the, sh- the show was going to be closing and that I was right. initially going to do it for another year. And yeah. we, I only did it for two months on Broadway but I think that was a blessing because it really you know we had such a every night time. probably was 
very special. It was special. Yeah, I really did try to embrace it for what it was and knowing that who knows when an opportunity like that will come around yeah. again, especially when like, you know, your baby pictures are up there every I night. Know. Like that's that, that's so rare that you that you would have that kind of experience like yeah. that um and I was so fortunate that you and many of the people I love so yeah. much were able to make it in that two month oh, yeah. period. Yeah. Are you kidding? I was like how could we miss this? There's no way. There's no way in the world that we would miss this. Yeah. Um, so we I know that it. your re- your relationship with taking care, like you were mentioning meals and things, but your relationship with taking care of your voice changed as well from like the tour to the Broadway production. So I was just wondering like what your experience with that is. Too. Two words, acid reflux, you know? Oh my God. And Let's I know that you struggle it. with this too. I know. Well, I just got, I mean, I don't know that I was officially told that i have gerd but like <laughs> i saw do you know noah khan the no no this, oh my god okay i have to show you his stuff later but he's a singer um he tweeted like yesterday something like gerd crew rise up and i was like <laughs> so i think good. i have oh what's the I, I think it's called it's it's the other one it's not gerd it's like l i want to say it's lpd is that right i don't know I'm i don't look it up i'm yeah, looking yeah, look it, up it up right up. now so i don't misquote um yeah no i i yes oh god my acid reflux we found like old people right now just in terms of yeah i was just explaining to noah too about how i feel like hitting this age where your body is changing and you're like relearning what it wants and it's like almost a second puberty where you're like oh i can't eat that anymore i can't drink that anymore yeah Hmm. noted that's another thing that's shifted quite a bit from um the last time we spoke for me as well health Um, stuff yeah, just health stuff, and we were talking earlier about like our relationship to alcohol, even yeah, or yeah. things that um, maybe we indulged in more <laughs> when we were yeah. slightly younger. But I, I certainly, uh, yeah, my desire for things that are gonna really throw my body <laughs> like for a loop. I know, is, I know. Well, that's for, for context. When we were talking about this earlier, I was explaining to Noah that like, um, I, oh God, I literally don't care. I'm I'm just not a private person. I don't care about explaining this, but <laughs> I recently found out that I have this genetic thing that my mom has and my dad's a carrier. So it's not really that surprising. Um, and it's called hemochromatosis and it is common in the Irish gene pool. And it means that you have a surplus of iron. Um, and it's not like particularly dangerous, except it can cause like cirrhosis of the liver um, just with the, the iron. <laughs> I don't really know the yeah. scientific way to no, explain science. it. But yeah. <laughs> but um so they told me that I have to get phlebotomized twice a year, which sounds so dramatic, but it just means that they take my blood and they dump it. Um That's horrifying. Which is seems barbaric and weird, but and and to answer this question in advance, yes, I think you can donate blood, but I also think sometimes they like to do it at the doctor's office so they can check the levels. Sure. Um, anyway, wow. they told me that I have to cut back alcohol 30%, which is really not bad. It's like, I mean, I thought they were going to say cut it entirely. 30% is like fine, doable, but I can't even metabolize it anymore the mm-hmm. way that I used to. Like I, I just, my body is like really rejecting it too much of it. I will say like moderation is fine. Right. So I don't know. We're learning about things that we can handle. And we're adulting. Can't handle. We're, like, yeah, I guess we're adulting. We're changing and, and we're... <laughs> And and within that, you know, be, even though my body is processing things differently, like, I don't know, I love my body. I, I That's another thing that I think that's shifted a lot yeah. from the pandemic and we can, we don't have to go into it too much, but like, you know, I, I certainly, uh, you know, gained some weight during the pandemic and Same. have fluctuated a lot mm-hmm. since, but I think my relationship to my body, even in going into sort of tying it into the Broadway thing mm-hmm. and taking care of myself and my voice and like the my the vessel that you know helps me do the things i like to do has um has really clarified itself in the last like two years especially yeah yeah i feel that too especially in terms of like longevity purposes i'm like i i want to be healthy like in my future and also that even like even loving me at whatever stage that i'm at in that vein as well and not just sort of judging myself well but that that's and that's a hard part about this is like these are lifestyle changes you know it's not something that is going to happen overnight and like even when i first found out about this thing my mom was like i don't think you should drink until you know after christmas or something i was like okay i mean (laughs) what's that gonna do (laughs) just just like stop my liver like i don't know 
but um <laughs> these lifestyle changes it's like they have to happen small in order to be sustainable yeah so like celebrating okay I've, I've i'm making these adjustments slowly so that they will be a part of my life rather than like a crash diet that is supposed to get me somewhere fast like right. that's not i don't have an interest in that i have more of an interest in like longevity how can we play the long game here totally yeah and that includes now going to more specialists <laughs> <laughs> going to more specialists is that yeah i mean like i it's and this is a whole separate thing about insurance and just like having i like i currently have insurance through my employer it's fine um but <sighs> just i know but like it's annoying because you're like i know i i should be responsible and and do these things and go to these appointments and like see these people but it's mm-hmm. like i don't know uh, we do not have to go down this rabbit hole of insurance in this country but like right it's tough you ha- i feel like Get you have out. to take no, I, no <laughs> but i feel like you have to take extra care of yourself because of how expensive it can be to Yes. Got the care that you need. Oh my gosh, yeah. That fear is a whole other thing that has surfaced in the last few years. And, you know, I was I was very fortunate to have insurance, you know, through my and I still do, but you know, through my employer for a long time. And, you know, as my life has transitioned in New York and I'm yeah. I'm not riding the same wave that was uh I was riding before, um, yeah, those those fears have crept in, in in new ways as well. And um yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So your voice though. <laughs> so my voice uh well acid yeah reflux. <laughs> acid reflux you know i didn't realize that it's hard when you're on tour especially i think because yeah. you need to the shows are late you know you sometimes shows are usually at 7 30 8 o'clock and sometimes if you're in like a two and a half hour three hour show you get out around 11 or something mm-hmm. and um but you i tried my best to now like this sort of this time around get most of my eating in before the show because mm. I found that on tour, I would always, you know, do a late night Postmates or something oh uh, in these various I'm such cities. Such a late night snacker. I love to late night snack. It's hard, but with singing, it's it, and if you have acid reflux specifically, it, it seems to be, um, yeah, counterproductive. Not the best yeah. Idea. yeah, because uh, and I didn't know this. I think at the time, mm. as I was like having my one a.m. tacos and then not being able to sing, like the next day, I was like, "What's wrong? <laughs> like, I don't get it." You mean yeah. the super spicy salsa that I ordered with my <laughs> yeah. with my tacos? Um, has burned me right right yeah it's it was all very but strange. i mean there's just so much that happens in your day it's like hard to pinpoint what the thing might have been of but, course you know the but more i you mean know. i would say it's probably it was probably the spicy salsa at 1 a.m that yeah. did it um but i it's also interesting because i didn't have i or at least i didn't it didn't appear to have it in college and so mm. it must have been something maybe that and I don't, I don't know, maybe it's been lingering in my system for a long time. That's and what it's I'm just, saying. It's like the second puberty thing. You're yeah. like, what, what are these things that are now I didn't realize this was an coming issue up. that yeah. I was supposed yeah. to deal with. Yeah, it is. And um, But this time around, I especially sort of tried to sort of, like I said, alter my my diet to support the things that I wanted to do at night and to mm-hmm. be able to give my 100% when I was up there. And I, um, let's see, what else did I do? I steamed every single day and yeah. night and I did a lot of um i worked with a great teacher named matt farnsworth who uh really opened up my body and Mm. showed me sort of like where i was holding tension and and where things even that i was doing with the character might be creating tension in my voice or like Mm. where i was sort of placing it and it's so interesting right because i hear also sometimes when you're a singer you mimic the uh singers that you really respect and mm-hmm. love and I, I won't name those people but yeah. there were nights where if I was tired I would mimic those people yeah and um because I'm like well this is healthy singing right like yeah. and like they don't really know what they're doing so maybe if I try to sort of uh capture that timbre it'll 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 be healthy and I found out actually after doing that for a few performances and then getting really really tired from that that um you know, that person's voice is specifically built Different, differently. Yeah. And so, and from what it was doing for me was making me go away from my voice and get airier and push mm. more air through my vocal cords, yeah. which was then causing me to sort of uh, tire more quickly. Mm. Um, and it was that's just really strange, right? interesting. I mean, I mean, that's, it's so funny that you say that because I remember distinctly in college, whenever I was feeling nervous about an audition, I would walk into the room and tell myself that I was someone else that I admired and I thought had more confidence to me. Sure. Oh, I like, do it all the time. <laughs> I, I have specific names where I'd be like, you are this person now. And that never worked. I was never, really? I well, because I'm not that person, you know? So it was like, yeah. it was fine, but I wasn't the version of myself that was the most confident. I was like trying to be someone else. Right. And that just gets all convoluted and like it's interesting you say that that well so i with a lot of auditions even recently like i've been like using these archetypes of i'll do all my research with like Mm -hmm. these characters and stuff and i'll um 
make it my own. But then if I if there are certain like types of energy or archetypes of, yeah. of people or even specific actors that I think really do kind of uh, trigger that response in how I emote or mm-hmm. express, um, I will make sure I write them down. And sometimes, especially like if I'm in the room and I'm nervous, yeah. I, I will sort of like be like okay well you're Javier Bardem now you're not you're not you're not (laughs) you like you know and um and Javier Bardem would thrive in this situation right (laughs) well I feel like that my version of that was just like okay you have to figure out how to just be like bad bitch o'clock Fiona like I can't you know what I mean like I like even if I pretend like I have more superpower than I had in that current moment I think just like at least embracing that like I still deserve to be here as me versus like deserving to be here as someone else 100 percent. it's still faking you know the confidence but it's just like it's still me in a well, way and even and on the note of faking confidence i'll i'll give a an unsolicited piece of advice Please. to anyone who's listening that i thought i thought was maybe the most people the best piece of advice i got this year from a really wonderful uh actress mm-hmm. and um she I was really nervous for uh, a callback that i was going into and i was like oh man like i hope i don't you know psych myself out and she said just go to your first rehearsal like which I thought was my it was my favorite piece of advice because it just allowed me to go in there and be like and do exactly what we would be doing if I had this job anyway and just say all right we're gonna work together on building something out like it's the very first day and I'm gonna show you a sort of demonstration of what that working relationship might be like rather than going in there to like um Or even like, and I and I will also go in there and present my first colors or like whatever it is I'm bringing today. Um, But I'm but I'm not going in there for an audition. I'm going there as if it's as if I have it already. And that energy I often feel like reads and and I don't know creates an attraction that is stronger. Yeah, that works. I don't know. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we talked initially also about the like high and low nature of life and going from toward your childhood bedroom and not saying that that's a low but it's just different (laughs) no but it's just different it's different and unexpected um and how now I know that more highs and lows have occurred so do you feel like you have been getting more of a hold of like how to navigate those peaks and valleys um (laughs) (laughs) I mean I want to say yes, and I could intellectualize my way around this yeah. to the point of trying to be like, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, um, you're human. I think more than anything, I've I, I get to know myself better every year, and the I more like I can anticipate my reactions and responses to things, the the less intense they feel. Mm. Um, and so, in that way, yes, like that's I, very healthy. I think so. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I have some like with the exception of the thing I was telling you about, of just sort of trying to create consistency. Like I am yeah. a creature of habit. Like there too. are Netflix shows. I will go back and rewatch oh, 100 yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, barring sort of just general consistency and routine. Um, I think just like I said, getting to know myself better and how I respond so that like the next time those things happen, they don't, they don't shake me as much. Yeah. I feel like I have recently been thinking about a lot um, is my own opinions. Mm. And even when I, for example, this is a really basic example, but like decorating this apartment or a more, you know, extreme example was like putting like the doing the art direction for my book, you know, both in both of those scenarios, I was like, I think I I think I know what I want here and I, can, I think I can see what I want here and, mm-hmm. you know, visualize it. But I'm scared <laughs> because <laughs> I want to ask someone else's opinion. But like really. I mean, the apartment, you know, does have a say. Thank you. But like the book, especially, I was like, I really want to lean on someone else right now and Mm -hmm. have them tell me what to do and what looks good. But I know this is something I have to decide for myself. Yeah. And like trusting your own creative, like eye or intuition and just, and learning your own opinions and learning what you like. I think that's, it's, it sounds simple learning what you like and like how you operate, but so much of it is still dawning on me, you know, where I'm even just clothes wise, books wise. I I remember I had to put together like a, my top 10 favorite books for, um, when I applied to the Columbia program Mm -hmm. and not that it was like hard to decide, but I was like, what are my favorite books? What are my favorite movies? What are, what are, what are you, wait, can we just take a moment? What are your favorite books and favorite movies? Okay. Um, my favorite book of all time is actually 1984. Sure. 
Yeah. I just had such an existential crisis while reading that book because um, it was during a time where uh, there was a lot of drama in my friend group. And I was like, I learned a piece of information that uh, I don't know how to say this vaguely enough, but basically I learned that a friend was cheating on someone and I was like, is knowledge power, is ignorance bliss? Like, what do I do? What do I do with this information? No, that's literally was my reaction. I was like, which is it? I don't know. I don't really want to have this information right now, but I do, but I do, I have it. Yeah. Um, and then my next favorite book is, I don't know if I, okay, this might be out of order. I'll give you my top three. No, give it to me. Um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Okay. I read that a few years ago in an impressionable point in time. I, I really would recommend it. I think I've talked about it on here before, but she talks about how ideas are alive hmm. in one portion of things. This is one thing that I just latched onto from the book. And if an idea comes to you, like it's an existing living being that like wants to be there with you mm-hmm. and it's your responsibility to either... Um, see it out or like address it and if you don't that's fine but it will go find another home right so it's kind of like if you have an idea to like write a musical or like write Mm -hmm. a screenplay and then you see someone else does it like years later you're like oh i did have that thought right it's not a bad thing it's just like that thing wanted to exist Mm -hmm. and it found the means to exist so i kind of loved that because i love that too it's just it gives me motivation to act on the ideas that i have it also makes me like a little jealous of like well now <laughs> i'm like okay are those things that i that did pass through me that i decided not to pursue like yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be tough but to see not, them get, but, you but know. like you know you aside when you remove yourself from that equation it's like I did have that idea that this thing needed to exist and I'm glad that it exists. Like it, right. someone needed to do it. And if I wasn't ready to do it, that's okay. That's but true. like now it's here in the world and you know, that's and that exciting. Is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and oh, what's an, what's a third? I, Oh, educated by Tara Westover. I want to say, have I, you read that one? I want to say I have, but, I, but tell me what it's about. It's a memoir. Okay. And um, it's basically about her life um, growing up in, uh, to survivalist parents in like the middle of nowhere. I uh-huh. think I'm going to probably mess this up, but I think Idaho somewhere over there. Okay. Over <laughs> um, there. Yeah. I know. That's what I'm <laughs> say. She lived in the middle of nowhere and like all of her siblings, none of them, the government doesn't e- didn't even know they existed. They didn't have social security cards, no birth certificates. Like they lived off the grid and like, it was, and, and you know, pr- was were always preparing for the day of judgment, you know, kind of thing. And so the book is a lot about like just the crazy shit that they would go through living this lifestyle with her parents, and then her journey to get out of it. Um, and it's amazing. Like I can't even believe what she's accomplished. But it's just, it's such a fascinating read. I'm also partial to memoirs. Like I really yeah. do love. A good memoir. No, I love, yeah, I love a biography or like historical fiction or thing, yes, things like that. Yes, me too. Yeah. And then my favorite movie is Shutter Island. Oh my God. That's like one of my favorite movies really? too. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I haven't thought about the movie in a while, but I, I made Anna Marie watch it like My brother still hasn't ago. seen it. And I'm like, I want to watch this with you. That because twist is Experiencing that twist with someone for the first time would be so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I also just, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for just a good twist. Most of my favorite movies are things that okay, are just Okay, what like are your thrillers. favorite movies, favorite books? So I will also speak to this. It's a, just a side side note on mm-hmm. favorite movies. So something that actually has been a huge comfort to me this year has been movies. That I am obsessed with movies. I'm slowly becoming a cinephile because Nick Well, that's Playmire, good if you want to do more TV film anyway. I like, know. You might as well know what's going on. I'd like to... I like to think that I, I am in the know right now. Like, I feel like this, my uh, ballot for the Oscar season, like, is going to be really I strong. I was going to say, so you have that thing with AMC, too, the, AMC the stubs, monthly. Which is so funny. And I know membership. that any, Ivana Marie's listening to this, she's going to know that um, I talk about this like I discovered it, like, as if it, <laughs> as it just, just began to exist so this year, um, when in fact it's been around for a very long time. Yeah. I just have never, never lived between, you know, two AMCs before. So yeah. I'm able to go and uh, I go at you least get to once see a week. Not How twice many, a week. Un, is it unlimited? It's uh, up to three movies a week. Uh, a week. A week. For 20 bucks a month? Yeah. That's nuts. It's nuts. It's the best deal ever. And it's... I know. I should do that. I miss being in movie theaters. And like, it's funny because even before the pandemic, I never really thought of my... 
I never thought of those experiences as theatrical experiences. And now I, every time the Nicole Kidman ad comes on, everybody in the theater claps. It's culture. That's (laughs) what it's like. It's part of like a movie going culture now that I always feel like I'm a part of. Did you see everything everywhere all at once? I did. Yeah. That's the one that I'm sad that I missed in theaters because I I really want to see it. And I know it's going to be different on my TV. It's it's still a beautiful film. I watched it again on a plane and it was just what's your top movie for this year? Top movie for this year. Um, like that's up for... Tar. Oh, okay. With Kate Blanchett. She plays uh, a conductor that sort of loses herself. And oh. um, this it's sort of about like the... I mean, I don't want to like spoil it, yeah. but it's a it's it's not it, it sort of subverts your expectations a bit because i i went in thinking it was going to just be like about this fierce female conductor and i was like hell mm-hmm. yeah let's do it like a sort of like a leonard bernstein like mm-hmm. fiction fictional biopic or something and yeah. it wasn't that really at all it was it was a fictional character but sort of invented to um go into cancel culture a little bit and go into um sort of the importance that we install in mm. these uh very high art positions mm. um and like what they're actually doing versus like the image that they're cultivating interesting i thought it was really fascinating yeah and uh yeah so that, that's directed by todd field and I, I love that movie okay i'll check it out yeah you should definitely check okay so out. so all time though all time so one of my favorite movies is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind do you know that movie i don't it's incredible it's jim carrey and kate winslet mm. and in just like some very rare performances like specifically probably from jim carrey yeah um but it's about sort of this, uh, the end of a relationship and, and it sort of exists in a uh, future in which you could go and do a procedure where you could wipe somebody from your brain entirely from ever having existed. Oh, um, God. And it's giving severance. It's giving severance. Yeah. No, and I love severance. I I'm, love severance. I'm a sucker for these like science fiction, I, romance, I am whatever. Too. Like, yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. And so it exists in a future where you can do that and one of them has the procedure done. I just feel and like that, like, I don't know. That's that makes me sad. Yeah, but I like these melancholic like films. I know, but just the idea that I I mean, yes, there's some people that I'm like, oh, maybe life would be better if I didn't meet oh, you. Oh, you mean the actual concept. The actual concept, yeah, but but it's like, I don't know, it all informs Oh, yeah, you I know, change the thing. rest of your like life. Yeah. <laughs> I would never change a thing. I mean, I think it's uh, I'm is exactly this, is right. Knowledge power? You what? Is knowledge power? Is or knowledge is ignorance power? bliss? What do you do? I don't know. Yeah. I think knowledge is power. I think knowledge is power for yeah. sure. I mean, I think that this is the same thing we're saying right now, but like I think pain is extremely informative and necessary to sort of like um I don't know, unlock once again, unlock sort yeah. of who you are and how you respond to things and and why people mean mean the things they do to you and mm-hmm. um i don't know i think it's just necessary yeah okay so is there another all-time or is that your top that can be your top her I just, is great too. i didn't want you to feel that's the... another melancholic okay. uh yeah, that is, that i is. love joaquin phoenix if you know me you know I oh love yes <laughs> he's my favorite actor probably has he done anything recently he's doing the napoleon film that's coming out and he's doing um the new ari aster film Bo is afraid oh which i'm excited really excited for both of okay those. cool um okay now give me books books okay so uh, you know in in truth i probably read i read more for function and -hmm. less for pleasure so most of the time if i'm reading when's the last time you read a fiction book i read a fiction book yeah (sighs) maybe like i'm sure during the pandemic i did i honestly i read a lot of plays i love reading plays and i read um and I read for function specifically like biographies. Like I, there's, there's this Walt Disney biography that I've literally had for, I, I can't even tell me how many years, but like I just, every now and then if I'm going on a road trip, we'll just yeah. like bring it on a train and read two or three chapters. And then I get and that, it's yeah. so long yeah. and I, I still haven't finished it. It's just like a travel book. That, Are you like a self-help book kind of guy too? No, I always want to be, yeah. I always will buy one and be right. like, maybe this will help me solve my anxiety. <laughs> and then it just, uh, mm-hmm. just doesn't grab me. Doesn't okay. Feel but like, but function plays and function that's fair yeah i mean like i was i'm trying to think of like the play i mean i love angels in america every time mm-hmm. i'll pull that out and just sort of you know peruse the scenes or yeah. death of a salesman those are like those are like big plays i that saw I death of a salesman on my birthday yeah do you saw i saw I it too oh yeah yeah oh right we were talking about those yeah yeah it was cool to see it like sort of done like nowadays in a way that i in, in a really new and interesting way and i also kind of just had i'd always wanted to I always dream about like, oh, like what if like, you know, this play was premiering like mm-hmm. right now in our time 
it was sort of fun for me to like have a glass of wine and experience in that yeah. way and like pretend like this was the first time the play had ever oh, been done. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I kind of want to, what's the show that Oscar, no wait, Pedro Pascal and, no wait, it is Oscar Isaac. Oscar, yeah, Isaac, Oscar Isaac and Rachel Brosnahan. Aren't they doing a play soon? Yes, they are. It's not, it's not Doll's House. That's Jessica Chastain, right? Isn't she doing mm, that? I, Oscar I Isaac know. is doing... I don't know what they're, they're doing. They're doing something. I, I think know, it's I've new. Ads, I don't yeah. think it's like a revival of I think something. that's right. Um, well, that's yeah, well, cool. What was the last good piece of theater you saw? Oh. <laughs> now we're just doing like, yeah. I know. Well, faves. I mean, this isn't theater, but Dean and I just saw Jerry Seinfeld mm. at the Beacon, which is so funny because it's literally across the street from us. So it's like, it's just a weird... It was like the first time I've like gone to something that like is walking distance, which is so <laughs> funny. Um, but theater-wise... I feel like Death of a Salesman was the last thing I saw, but, oh God, what's like a last favorite thing that I saw? I feel like I really missed out this fall. I feel like I yeah. had a really busy fall and I didn't actually get to see as much as I wanted to see. That's fair. Um, Dear Van Hansen. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite last thing? Oh gosh. I mean, uh, I've seen a lot this year. Um, in terms I think of, that's another part that you're probably enjoying about being here. Yeah, I love to yeah. see things. I, yeah. I am such a consumer. Like I, I love to just that's absorb. Fine. It's, it's, it's also inf- it's entertaining and it's information. Yeah, it's fine. It's not fine probably for my bank account. But well, it's fine. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but I, I do feel like it's um I do feel like it does help and like yeah. seeing lots of performances and right. seeing good writing, especially because I like to write and so that's another yeah. facet of me and. I know the last my last favorite thing I saw. What is it? I did really enjoy Paradise Square. I never saw it. You didn't see it? Mm-mm. I really enjoyed that one, too. I enjoyed the performance um, on, on the Tonys. Yeah, yeah. Did you know the Grammys are today? No, I didn't. Yeah. That's one thing yeah, I, I don't know anything about anymore. Music. music? I, I was just silly because like, I also write music, but I yeah. don't. I really, like, with the exception of, like, the few artists, like, that I enjoy, like, the Phoebe Bridgers of the world, like, uh-huh. that are, like, you know, still hot and, like, in the scene, I, I'm really just, like, out of touch in that vein. Well, it's funny because I was just talking to um Alicia about this on my last episode but um I kind of sometimes forget that music like exists <laughs> you know what I mean like that sounds so ridiculous sure but um I'll be sitting at my desk listening to podcasts all day and then I'll suddenly turn on music and I'm like oh my god this affects my mood yeah. like for the better like, why don't I listen to this <laughs> all the time yeah but it's funny because you know growing up all that I ever played in my house was Irish music all that I ever played like you know, in the car and in, in the kitchen all the time was Irish music. So I, there's music on all the time. Yeah. And that's just not something that's a part of my life here as much. But I want it to be like every time I put it on, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I yeah. should listen to this more. Well, it just doesn't hold my attention the way like a podcast does. Like, I especially know. if I'm like going on a run or something or if I'm going out to just like do errands, like I'll throw on a podcast because I'll, yeah. I'll be truly distracted and, and not distracted, well, but, like pay attention. To- here's also the thing I feel like the reason I started listening to podcasts more frequently before the pandemic was because I wanted that mental stimulation that I wasn't getting in my like survival jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, I was doing a lot of manual labor and I was like, I just want to like use my brain for something right now. Yeah. And so that was my way of doing that. And it's funny because now I'll be working and I'm like, I actually need to be thinking about this, (laughs) but I have podcasts in my my head going on right now. So um, it's almost the reverse. Like I think music is, um, is actually useful in, in that scenario. So <laughs> I don't know. So and we're going to see Lake Street Dive, which I'm very excited about yeah, because I feel be like fun. I haven't been in a co- to a concert in a long time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When was the last one you've been to? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I really, I oh, I think D- Dean and I went to see Tame Impala mm. last March. Oh, what's the one I like by them? Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Some changing. You know that one? Yeah. You know, lyrics. I do, yeah, I do. We are going to see Dead and Company in the summer as well. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. It's just funny because, like, my brother, he will travel for concerts and he pays attention. I asked him, I was like, how do you know when your favorite artists are, like, on tour? Like, you always seem to catch them when they're on tour. And he's like, I just follow them on Instagram. I'm like, that's oh, a good way to do that's it. that's a great point. I guess I yeah, I'm hoping like... to catch Mayer and Lizzie McAlpine. I know. Well, did you stuff. see that he's just doing his solo tour? Down yeah. Here? 
Wait, but is it? Doesn't he have? He's doing oh, he's Dead doing, and Company, yeah, yeah. but he's also doing the solo his yeah. own solo tour. No, I'm excited. I I looked at actually he's gonna be at the Beacon for some Valentine's Day thing like coming up. Yeah, well, it's oh, wow. like a group of there's a number of famous people doing it, and I looked at the tickets are like over two hundred dollars each. Okay, I'm like, yeah. okay, it's a lot of. Must, I mean, I've seen John Mayer. I must think, be nice. three or four times, and I <laughs> haven't. Oh, and really? I was supposed to go with Patrick in like 2019 or something and then i got scheduled to work that night and i couldn't get off and my mom went instead (laughs) and i literally was so annoyed at her because i got home at like midnight and i was sitting on the floor eating chips just (laughs) sad because i had to wait her instead of go to this john Mayer concert yeah and then they come home and and i was like how was it and they're like oh it was a lot of fun my mom was like it was so much fun but it kind of got loud at the end and i had to stand in the hallway and i was like Oh, damn it. Hallway. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, what I would have done, you know. Yeah, for a loud jump. Well, I mean, I, I remember when I saw him too, he had the, the trio with him, which I, I love. Me and my uh, friends in high, from high school mm-hmm. were obsessed with um, the John Mayer trio. And like we like most of we had like a little band at the at the time called Dr. Bird. Um, long live Dr. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we would always sort of cover the John Mayer trio songs like the who did you think I was? Darn it. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah, it's a great one. So are you still writing music? I am. I'm writing. I'm working on two shows right now. Um, okay. You know, one are you of, able to share? I can share small amounts. Very big. Very st- small okay. amounts because I'm keeping the cards close to the chest until I know I have something, mm-hmm. you know, that's workable. Um but I. But there is something in the works. There, yeah, there are two things. Two things in the works. One of which is with my fantastic collaborator uh, Emily Bice, who is a wonderful playwright. And um, yeah, so she wrote a play called Before the Flood, and I did the workshop with her uh, as the character Hom, one of the hmm. one of the really, it was Noah's Ark adaptation. Okay. And oh, I, just, I remember this. Yeah, you would. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's just a fabulous writer, and we've been friends. We've been friends for a really long time. I mean, and we went to school together. And mm. I just didn't know that she was interested in playwriting. And mm. you know, once I did that, I was like, wow, she's fantastic. And like, I we really should work on something together because I've always wanted to sort of just sort of cover the the um music and lyrics part of it and yeah. not have to worry about the book because to be honest like i don't know that that's where my interests lie as mm. much i've just always always done it out of necessity i was um, gonna ask if you'd ever be interested in writing a screenplay but i, I guess mean that answers my question. would i be interested in it totally do i actually have the chops to do it like i don't really think so i think like narratively i think what i like about like music and lyrics is like it, it's sort of a it's the synthesis of like a feeling or an idea into Mm. like sort of something that can be poetic or whatever um, into a very contained thing. And I guess in some ways, so is a play or a, you know, the book of a musical, but at the same time or a screenplay, but I feel like um, just narrative control and being able to write realistic dialogue is just something that isn't, I think I'm a little bit too chaotic for that. Like, I think I have, I think I have a little bit, and I also think like my heart, is like without sounding so weird like a poet's heart like in the sense of like that's why I loved working on the thing I worked on for a long time because like it was in verse and I liked to be able um to uh express myself uh through through rhymes and and stuff like that and so that's what I'm what I'm working on now is I'm working on a project that um is tentatively called Solomon's Pen um and that is about a uh the birth of the children's literature industry oh. um, and the sort of intersection of printing technology, like color printing cool. technology and, uh, you know, the commercial yeah. children's book industry in the, in the 1920s. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's one element of it. Yeah. And that's one project. I won't say too much more about that because I'm still kind of building it out. Fair. Um, and I'm also working on another tentatively titled project until it's gold which is the thing i'm working on with emily that is an adaptation of a german folk legend um that that you probably would would know um but i won't go too deep into it as well okay yeah very cool it's funny that you say that about dialogue because i actually feel like i enjoy writing dialogue and the thing that scares me about screenplays is the idea that they're are moments that are purely visual. Right. And like figuring out how to write that into a script is just terrifying. No. And I mean, and I'm sure it's a wonderful exercise because like, I think so often the thing we hear like 
in school and, and, and especially even on the writing front, like mm-hmm. in like the small, like independent study I had as a writer yeah. um, is like is show don't tell. Right. And so I think like screenplays are like are the sort of extreme of that, because I think you can get away with a lot in theater yeah. of like just sort of narrating certain aspects totally. of stuff or or being really on the nose. Um, but I feel like in screenplays, it's really, you know, the dialogue's like, hey. Hey, and you've just learned like so much about the right. characters, but like, but that's why um, it's very nuanced. Yeah, it's I very know. nuanced. <laughs> I know that's the, that's the other thing of of not writing on the nose. <sighs> yeah. There's some people that are really good at that, yeah. and I I would love to emulate that, but well, I feel hard. like I've learned. I that, think like, you just have to have more faith in the audience. Yeah, know, to like they'll get it. They're not stupid. Well, and if you fill yourself with. An, enough knowledge by the time that you actually get to either write or get to the draft in which you hope will be the final draft yeah. like you have such a, a deep knowledge of it that you're not like insecurely trying to convince the audience that you know what you're talking about right. it's like because yeah. you do know what you're talking about there's like so imposter that, syndrome right <laughs> like written into it right yeah like so but i also think there's really there's merit to i was i was watched this um aaron sorkin masterclass or whatever uh-huh. like that where he talks about um where he does talk about like when he was writing the jobs movie because he wrote the screenplay mm. for that steve jobs movie um about how um he was like i don't actually have to know how they how they make an iphone or like what the sort of uh conflicts that arise at a company mm-hmm. like that are but i have to make them think that i i have to use the the right language and and know enough about it yeah to to make them think that like the the by them as in the general public yeah think that I know what the fuck I'm talking right. about that's funny it, yeah and there's always going to be the group of people that actually are in that industry and right. know what is slightly off about it but if it's like entertaining they're like I don't care right which is actually I don't know if you've seen the TV show Younger I haven't seen it it's with um um oh my god names are just escaping me today yeah Sutton Foster that's mm, so bad that's, <laughs> I know, that's, that's not even like a niche I mean I for us at least maybe um, for it's with Sutton Foster and it's about publishing. Like she's like in publishing oh, wow. and it's called younger because she enters the industry like at an older age and is trying to get a job and it's like having a hard time. But um, huh. it's funny cause I watched it before I started working in publishing at all. And now sometimes it'll come up in like, like randomly where um, I think at one point someone told me that, they actually pronounce the name of my parent company incorrectly on the show. <laughs> like you definitely need someone on set to like, just to <laughs> just give you to, maybe just a little bit of dramaturgy. Yeah. There, just like, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no one really cares. Cause it was fun. Right. You know, like it's not a big deal. No. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to know everything, but you know, you might have someone there to just give you a little bit, of, a insight little bit of insight when you need it. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, so in terms of TV and film stuff, I know that you've been dabbling more in that. Is there anything that surprises you particularly about how that world works in comparison to the theater world? Um, yeah, everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything. I literally, the first day I was ever on a set, which, um, was not that long ago, uh, was, I couldn't even figure out where the bathrooms were because I guess their bathrooms are marked Lucy and Desi. Uh, and I was like, I thought those were names of people who were in the show. Um, and I was like, can't go in those i mean i have never i had never even been like on a no set i just mean in terms of i love lucy oh sure yeah <laughs> yes yeah but i think i just thought that you know i don't know what i thought but right. i was i was very confused the first day and i was uh, trying to put my best confidence face on and just like go wherever yeah. people would tell me but and you know inevitably i made so many sort of little embarrassing uh mistakes and um but it's nice you probably were the only one that was aware of them maybe i don't know i mean mean, it's just i feel like it's one of those things where you think that everyone's paying attention to you and realistically everyone's paying attention to what they're doing like themselves well it's it's so funny because yeah the the more the more time i spend like doing those projects which like i really haven't done anything like that major in that capacity which i i always talk with on about this of like I've been so fortunate to be welcomed into that industry in like a, a truly um what's the right word for this uh measured way Mm -hmm. i guess like in that like i i've started very small like my very first thing i had literally no lines but like i was still able to work with like 
guys work with like Domo Gleason and Woody Harrelson. Yeah, like, was... you were downplaying. I mean, it's still a big deal. No, it was. I mean, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was just more a matter of like I. I'm saying how fortunate I am to have not had too much responsibility too quickly mm. because I think when I, if I I can make my mistakes quietly, right? You rather can get than... comfortable in the environment, right? You know, do your thing, and then yeah, I yeah. Okay. And I think now I'm getting more and more ready to sort of. If, if the call came and I was able yeah. to sort of do something bigger, I would have been able to get a lot of those sort of green mistakes out of the way right. earlier, which is um, which is a good thing. That's exciting. And yeah. do you feel like um, that style of acting, that style of entertainment, like, is that speaking to you more nowadays? Yeah, I would say it's speaking to me certainly more uh, than it did in that um, I said this to someone the other day, but I, I didn't. I didn't dare to dream that big, you know, and now I'm starting to allow myself those dreams mm. because I grew up doing theater. I love theater and I can intend to continue doing it. Um, but this was a medium that always just seemed distant to me that I yeah. wouldn't ever be able to be a part of because, yeah. you know, even like when you're in theater school, they're like, well, like we're all, especially musical theater school. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, everyone's big and everyone does a lot. makes a lot of like big choices. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm learning how to sort of tone down a lot of what I'm doing. And, um, but yeah, I had never just imagined that that would be something I would be able to participate in in any way. Like, and now that I've done a couple of them and I have, you mentioned the sort of the style, like experienced the, the realism and the naturalism that is involved with doing it. And also in the, in the challenge that it places on me to be truthful Mm -hmm. and also the, um, the, budget and the environments yeah. that they're able to create to feel so real and you see the detail that they the like every department is putting into the creation of these moments and you're like okay well then I got to bring the most honest thing I have in me mm-hmm. and I love that yeah. like and not to say that you don't get that in theater but I do think that there's a certain level of you know we shot this like scene that I was doing where it was like in a bodega and you know like or sorry I won't even speak to that one but like we shot we shot a scene um that was in the White House at one point, mm-hmm. and they and there was a giant um, White House set. Wow! And like, if, if it was, it felt like I was in the White House. Yeah. Like, and I will never <laughs> uh, forget like that feeling of walking up there and being like, people really took the time to to make this level of de- detail like come to life. And yeah, I, feel I need like to do everything I can to meet that. My initial understanding of film, TV, like creation was that it feels like there's less magic involved because it's not like theater but i i feel like in a lot of ways it's there's i won't say more but it's it's definitely there there's less audience energy magic like that is the thing that you can't recreate of like you're doing something live and like whatever you do you can't redo and so you have to be just like open to the moment in theater and that is a beautiful thing but in terms of like the magic of what's going on in that medium Mm -hmm. it's just a different it's just different like it's a it's a magic of um it's also a magic of of pace right because you like the the level the the speed at which these people are moving to get the shots that they need and that in the time they have allotted so that they don't go over budget or whatever like the sun is setting (laughs) it's it's yeah that's why i saw babylon the other day and i was like wow like it really resonated with me because like i'm I'm finally, I, I've literally only dipped my left toe, <laughs> left pinky toe into the water yeah. and I can see it. I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful, um, re- dedicated facet of the industry that I'm just like so excited to continue learning about. I was watching SNL with Pedro Pascal last night and they had this one skit that was like, first of all, so really good. Like the quality, the production quality was Which crazy. Was it? it was... Um, he was playing Mario. Yes, I watched this. Did you watch this? Yes, it was hilarious. I was just blown away by yeah. the production quality. I was like, "Oh my god!" Me like, too. they really made this. Like, it that was felt like, like the a level film was yeah. happening. Did you see this? Was it the Sesame Street one that they did for mm-hmm. David Harbor, where he was? Um, I don't know if I saw that one. It was like they've been doing these like remakes. Like this yeah. one was a Mario like trailer. It was really funny. It was hilarious. Yeah. But they did one of Sesame Street when David Harbour was hosting and it was like a gritty Sesame Street. Right. And they did a similar level of production value. Where I was like, wow, they are they're doing it. I'm just blown away. And I feel like I've had that same um, experience of, oh, I I that feels so out of reach. It feels so far away. But I've I feel like I've taken small steps to quiet that notion mm-hmm. in terms of like 
even I don't know like three years ago I might have told you that I'm not tech savvy and like that was just an opinion that I had about myself was like I'm not technically like literate in a lot of ways and then I was like what is that going to serve me like am I going to figure out how it works just by saying that no like I have to let go of that notion so I did and I feel like I've actually learned so much more like I can do so much more tech wise than I had given myself credit for before because I just assumed that it wasn't like my thing right um and in the same way where I'm like okay I don't I mean I haven't yet explored the film world in the way that I want to, but I have more faith in I can figure it out. You totally can you know? figure it out. Yes. So I'm excited for you. That's yes. Cool. Dare to dream a little bigger, you know? And like and we were saying earlier, even like just like about manifesting our whatever we yeah, want. Did you want to share your dream? I didn't know if you would be. I actually don't know what I said in the. No, I'm good. I'm You're good. <laughs> I, I like to keep at least some That's level fine. of my yeah. life private, but yeah. Um, but no, it's but just in general to trying to sort Dreaming of like bigger. this year dream bigger and take those like labels, these those negative labels that you've that you've yeah. uh, assumed off yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's a piece of advice to everyone. Dream, dream a little bigger. <laughs> um, okay, well we can wrap up here, but I have four random questions I that I wanted to ask. Please. Um, okay, they don't have to be uh, rapid fire, but let's see. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve? Being on any kind of transportation, the mode of transportation, and everyone is supposed to just file off of the bus <laughs> or plane in order uh-huh. and not <laughs> and, and wait for people to take their suitcase or whatever it is. I love that you look annoyed as you're explaining this. I'm so, because it happened recently and I was like, I, I definitely don't like this. Like, yeah. I, I like, it's like just everyone's waiting to get off like just so when it comes to your time you're you know you want everyone to be patient with you while you take your Mm -hmm. suitcase and trying to like push past you i'm like what are you doing anyway that it's that um just uh follow follow the uh line order there people yeah Yeah. i love that okay if you could have one superpower what would it be shape-shifting because then Mm. i probably could cheat and become a bird and then i could fly (laughs) (laughs) that's my loophole do you even like birds like i love birds you do what do you what is what kind of question is that do you even like birds i feel like like a lot of us don't like birds anymore birds are out why are birds out pigeons are out real pigeons are birds aren't real do you not know this whole no movement what is this (laughs) okay there's this whole this is actually hilarious there's this whole movement that birds aren't real that they're government drones It's not a conspiracy theory. Okay. I promise. The guy that founded it, um, he, <laughs> no, he started showing up to protests that were like, like right wing, you know, uh-huh. with a sign that said birds aren't real just to like <laughs> fuck with people, just to like, you know, to get people to agree with him on random things. And then he got like a cult following of people who they everyone knows no no everyone real. actually knows you want that me to they're spread real. that disinformation no but right it's now? not but it's like it's satire like okay. it's satire protest performance kind of Got like it. we're protesting everything right now and this is and birds aren't and real. we're protesting birds this time like it's just it's ridiculous wow but everyone that knows about it knows that it's satire it's just but it's funny i was gonna say i didn't it's not like we a conspiracy were speaking to theory so topical no like it's not like a conspiracy <laughs> theory it's just like a a funny um That's cultural <laughs> thing um i personally am not a huge fan of birds of birds even if they're not specifically oh yeah i mean in new york am i a fan of birds no like most of the birds in new york and except for the occasional uh bluebird or blue jay that that i see in the trees yeah um, nothing no no shade to them no shade to them but shade to every pigeon and seagulls and seagulls yeah um if you (laughs) well this is timely (laughs) if you (laughs) oh no no, if you had to describe yourself as an animal, what animal would you be? <laughs> um, I don't think personality-wise you're a bird. Do you? No, I was going to like, the first thing that comes to mind is like maybe an otter. <laughs> okay. 
okay. Maybe an otter. Like that's so interesting that that was the first thing that came to mind. Well, I came. When's the last time you saw an otter? Well, I this is why because I went to like one of those. I was just in Disney recently and I went oh. to like an aquarium and so I saw a lot of. I guess otters. Why would an otter be an aquarium? <laughs> that's great. I think those. No, they're, they're, they're aquatic. I mean, yeah, they're aquatic, but like. Um, but uh, yeah, I I believe I believe I saw an otter, and I was like, I identify with this. Like I, That's they're so, so cuddly and and you know, chill. sweet. I wouldn't say they're chill. I I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if if that is their uh, defining characteristic, then no. I'm I mean, not an I otter. can't. I have no experience with otters, so I can't really. You know, say I wrote a full. I was obsessed with leopards when I was a kid. I'm not a leopard. Really, I'm not about it at all. I, I'm not cool enough to be a leopard, but I was obsessed specifically with snow leopards i wrote a full book on it in wow. um elementary school oh my gosh and i still think about them sometimes because do i do this think book they're... i mean my mom probably has it probably. somewhere in the basement that's but... funny i mean it's a hard question honestly so yeah I'm it's hard because it's also like we were just talking answer. about like a self-image of like were we just talking about this i don't know self-image of like how i see myself versus how you oh. might see me and i i would hate to answer with a cooler animal than maybe That's anyone else so who knows me could perceive. like i don't want to be like tiger and then everyone's like he's not a tiger like, <laughs> he's, he's an ant <laughs> i don't think you're i think you're self-aware enough to know <laughs> thanks so i guess i'm a snow leopard you guys <laughs> okay um last one and then i have like Great. A actual closing one, but I was stumbling a lot in the beginning, so let's fill the time on the back end, you know? No, you did great. Thank you. Um, what is one thing that you've wanted to try but have not yet been brave enough to try? I have to think about this one for a second. I know, it's tough. One thing I want to try but haven't been brave enough to try? I mean like or just had the opportunity. <laughs> That's hard. Um like, I personally have no desire to jump out of a plane, but, like... Yeah, see, like, because I, I would answer with something like that, but I really don't want to... You don't want to do that. I mean, like, bungee jump or anything. I mean, that's a hard question. I'm sorry. I'm really trying... That's a great question. I'm just trying to think of a good answer. What have I not been brave enough to try? I mean, I guess I could even go the food route or, like, something along sure. the Sure. I mean, it of- doesn't... You don't have to really read into the brave portion of things. Just, like, something you've wanted to do that you haven't done yet, but it's, like, on your back burner. I'm can I speak to something that like I'm in the process of doing but I'm not actually as advanced as I hope to be yeah, at it. Sure. I want to be um get significantly better at cooking. Um mm. because I think there is a lot of um beauty to be found in being yeah. able to do that at home and to also bring that uh dishes to like your friends and things like that yeah. and I, I've been doing Blue Apron, which is like, oh, a, fun. you know, you like they sort of send the materials to your house and stuff. But even that has expanded my like recipe knowledge as to yeah. like if I went to the store, what I might buy in order to make something that I wanted to improvise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to be better at cooking. I just like I really enjoy um, that. My friend Alessandro, um, who I was in Dear Hansen with, he played Jared when we were touring together, mm-hmm. is a fantastic cook. And he would have us over all the time to just like... See, I want to have dinner parties. Yes, me yeah, too. I have dinner but parties. I can't cook good... <laughs> I'm not good enough at it yet. Yeah, but that's what the practice is for. Yes. You know, you'll get there. That's I, a quiet desire. We've, Dean and I have worked on that too recently of just like, let's make something new. Let's make this recipe that we saw online that looks really yummy or like... I yeah. mean, I have so many cookbooks now just by nature of my job so yeah. there's literally no excuse not to like pull one of them out and try something new 100 <laughs> percent. we made a curry the other night like like from at home and That's i fun. i was so proud of it i was like because i also like I, I order curry all the time but like yeah. i've never like dared to try and like right. make it and like i just really enjoyed the like getting to understand like the various ingredients and like yeah. getting to sort of put that together and be like wow i made this delicious yeah. dish like that's cool i want to yeah. get better at cooking meats like yeah like I feel like I've gotten better at chicken, but I don't know. There's there's a way to do it that keeps it nice and it's low heat. You know, it's like it's like I some you know it's somebody funny with this is like a this is I'm I'm sure this is like the most mundane part of the <laughs> podcast. But you know, it's ridiculous. Like I remember growing up, I used to always like burn the scrambled eggs like or whatever because I would just like I was obsessed with like medium to high heat on everything. And the That's same thing funny. with like meats where I would just like burn like the outsides I and the inside. A soft scramble. Yeah. Are you? Do you do a soft scramble? Oh, now, now I do. Yeah. But I was just because in my mind I was like, well, more heat. I, I don't know what I was yeah, thinking, yeah. but like it'll cook faster. It'll cook faster, but yeah. it really just cooks the outside faster. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't. And so I'm like, oh yeah, low heat cooks through. Oh, it takes more it time. It sounds like you're 
at a great place on this journey. I'm at a great place on the journey. I think like every now and then like Anna will be like watching me dice something and being like, what are you doing? Why, why do they look like that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we, we've been excited with our new cooking contraptions. Like that's when yeah. I kind of knew. I mean, yeah, the air fryer. The air fryer back ch- Game changer. That's I nice. mean, we've had so much fun just like trying to make weird things. Not everything has been successful. Like I tried to do these like, like homemade mozzarella sticks mm. in the air fryer. That was a tough one. Oh I don't think I had the exact right ingredients to pull that off, but it's fun to try. I've heard that even if you throw like Brussels in there, it's pretty good. Oh yeah. We've done, I mean, I even did like a chicken parm in there, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I want chicken parm. It's there. really, or like tater tots are really easy in there. Vegetables, reheating vegetables in the air fryer is really the move. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, it's coming. It's coming really clutch. Yum. I know. Um, well, okay. Stay tuned for d- whenever these dinner parties happen. <laughs> yeah, guys, awesome. get excited. <laughs> um, you're all invited. Every single person who listens to this. <laughs> Stop it. You're invited. Okay. Well, before I let you go, I guess just for the sake of reflection and, you know, looking at the two and a half years mm-hmm. that have passed since we last spoke about this stuff, um, what are you looking forward to? Um, what am I looking forward to? Hmm. Or alternatively. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I feel like that's too, that's, that's, you have too much of an easy answer. I was going to say what, like in terms of what we've talked about in terms of what has passed, like what has impacted you the most, but I feel like dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say what am I, I'll answer the, what am I looking forward to one? Okay. Because I, I think my answer is that similar to the concept of like daring to dream bigger, mm-hmm. every time something sensationally like wonderful or, you know, challenging happens to me, I'm like, oh yeah, that is possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there have been times where I got that once a year and there have been times when I've had multiple of those moments like in a year, but every time it seems to be, it seems to prove that I can handle more than I thought I could. Mm. And so as I stare down the things that really scare me this year, even if it's like, you know, I would love to be in a movie or be like, you know, more on a TV show more like more consistently. Like I, those things like have their own weight to them that I have installed and I'm excited to, to lift like the sort Mm -hmm. of veil on, on them and and see them for what they are. And that those things, all of those things that I want both in my professional life and my personal life are, are within reach. Like, and, and cause they, they never fail to life never fails to show me that I can handle more than I think I can. Oh, that's great. You know, that's a great observation. Thanks. I feel like that speaks both to past and present. So you crushed it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, Noah, thank you so much for joining me. Um, And thank you to everyone for listening. This has been Fiona Winch with Noah Kaiserman on Thoughtful Intentions. Thanks, everybody. Bye.